वेलकम टू एपिसोड नाइन ब्राइट <laughs> I want to lose up front to my sister Janelle and my guy Justin. They're back in. Everybody back. Who had to send back what? And then uh, I hear with all the talk, all them said um, not cake and thing. Last week, last week episode by the way was split into two. Eh? I just let all you know. So they had a conversation type episode with my sister and her son, as well as a regular episode where I just talk about the issues. So if you missed one of the two episodes last week, go back. Um, But all they all they talk about nut cake and them thing was she carrying back and thing you know they lost the luggage. <laughs> somebody, somebody in one of them you know, like the nut cake more than all. But anyway, let me jump into the thing that we are planning to talk about today. You know, I want to pick up almost right where I left off from the last episode and say salute to Super Blue, getting okay, a Hummingbird Gold National Award. I'm reading from the news day. This is from Sean Douglas. Five Calypsonians were among the recipients of the national awards for 2021. Presented on Wednesday by P- President Paula May Weeks at the President's House in Saint Anne's, these were Austin Super Blue Lions, Alan Brother Mudada Fortune, Franz Delamo Lamkin Johnson. That is Delamo name? No, Franz Delamo Lamkin <laughs> Johnson King, Johnny King, Johnny King name is Johnson King. Who knew? Uh, Morel Peters Luther. The awards were for music and culture. Lions was awarded the Hummingbird Medal Gold. The others were awarded Hummingbird Medal Silver. So my first instinct, all you know, all you know, Messi. When I read this, right, as glad as I am for Super Blue, I wanted to read. I want, I want you to listen to what is said here as to the reasoning behind him getting the Hummingbird Gold Medal. Remember, I was saying that we might not always know the reasoning of the paneler, but they give us a little insight here. The President's House statement: Mr. Lions, fondly known as Super Blue. Has been consistent in his profession, winning ten road march titles and seven soccer monarch titles, in his contribution to the cultural landscape of TNT over the last forty-one years. He is viewed by his fellow artists as a trailblazer, and has been a benchmark due to his successes. Lyon's songs range from Soccer Baptist in nineteen eighty to Soccer Kingdom with Marshall in twenty eighteen. I want to look count the amount of years between there. Right, I always say Super Blue is the only artist. To win a road march in four straight decades. Now, many many people do it before, but many many people win it, win several titles. Of course, the two big ones in terms of road march titles would be Kitchener and Marshall Montano. But over four straight decades, I haven't seen anybody else do that. And remember that he's still putting out music now, right? So if you win in this decade here, which at a point in time I used to doubt it, and when I When I came up, Fetin Super Blue was already—I don't want to say past his prime, but he surely wasn't um, Soca Baptist and Etel and them things. Super Blue, but he was dominating in the '90s with "Get Something" and "Wave" and the bunch of wave songs, that flag party and them kind of thing, dominating this space. So by the time I start Fetin late, late '90s and early 2000s. The wave was really Marshall. It wasn't Super Blue in the same way like how I hear my parents talk about Super Blue and thing. Or Blue Boy at that time, right? 
So I always used to doubt my father when my father say, boy, Super Luke could win a, he, he could come now and win a road match, you know, and I say, yeah, right, there's no, no, no way, that ain't happening at all. And I remember my reaction when I hear Super Kingdom for the first time in 2018, it was a rap. I was just glad that Marshall and Super Blue had do a collaboration too. But the collaboration itself was no favor nobody doing for nobody now because as, as when you listen to Soka Kingdom, good. Super Blue didn't do a whole lot in his song, you know. But just his presence with a wine and fling it up, you can't imagine nobody else doing that. And I don't know if any other artist would have that same impact doing that. But four decades of road march. Uh, afterwards, reporters... Afterwards, reporters, lions, what message he had for... I don't know what news they do here. I think they're trying to say afterwards he had a message for the youngsters. He replied, he said, I say dream. Have your dream. You must dream. One step, two step, three step, four. You know that song like a blasted road match too? <laughs> I wonder if you can make that song. Yeah, have a dream. You must dream. One step, two step, three step, four. Five step, six step, seven step, more. You have a dream. Anyway, yeah, I say dream. You have a dream. You must dream. One step, two step, three step, and four and more. You must dream, dream more. I am. I still am going to dream because this is just the beginning. Understand when a man like that saying this is just the beginning, he mean that, eh? Because he might have something in his talk that we ain't know about yet. And I, I guarantee you that 2023 Carnival is going to be the biggest Carnival we ever had. Everybody, all who miss Carnival, all who abstain, all who never invest money in Carnival, everybody coming back to see this, this is going to be the biggest one. So no doubt he has something to, to release. Uh... Lamkin has excelled in social commentary, performed for charities, mentored young Calypsonians, and uh, said presidents. Also, they're talking about the Lamo now. In 1994, he won the South Trinidad Calypso Monarch, Young Kings, National Calypso Monarch, jointly, and Caribbean King of King titles. I didn't know about that. A feat that is unmatched today. So they went on to talk a little bit more about... Um, all the people who got the awards, right? And I, I salute it. I salute it. I'm glad to see. I was just talking about this last week. My mother makes sure and call me. And she said, plenty of your boys get um, awarded in the 2021 ceremony. So that's a good sign. You know, should I play my favorite, the Lamo song, boy? We could get into song so early in our episode. All if you don't know a song. But the thing about it is the quality of the song so low on YouTube. Uh, let me see if it goes. I'm a little unscripted here. Oh no, they have a decent version, man. Let me hear this. Hey, this is dedicated to everybody with arthritis, bursitis, sacroiliac. Every every single itis, you have this for you. Yes. It's the same problem. You want to change my image. 
Yeah, my line. If you only roll back and wine and wine and wine and wine and wine and wine and roll your feet, man. Well, that's a joke, wine. Going back to my original thing, where I went, what do you think with the order of republic and all these things? I want to know what these medals mean. So, <laughs> salute to Chogdas, who would have been a Calypsonian who received the order of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, right? Again, it's maybe awarded to any person who has rendered distinguished and outstanding service to Trinidad and Tobago, generally. So, it's not specific to culture, arts, academics, business, not specific, it's not specific to anything. And Chalk, this would have been somebody who won this. And the statement coming out of the president's house at that time, I think it would have been 2019, uh, was that, what they say about him here, boy? The 78-year-old singer has is a nine-time winner of the Calypso Monarch competition. So uh, the point I'm making is this. It's not abnormal for competition to be cited as one of the reasons why somebody get an award. Because for Chalk, this, they cite... Nine-time award winner, nine-time winner of the Calypso Monarch competition. For Super Blue, they say, how much ever time? I think it's seven times uh, Soka Monarch and multiple times, I want to say, ten times uh, Road March winner. So my question is this, right? Especially because they didn't say in, in the awards, the rank of the awards, at least in the way they describe them here. The Shaconia Medal comes after the Order of Republic of Trinidad. May be awarded to any personal citizen who has performed long and meritorious service to Trinidad and Tobago, Tending to promote the national welfare or strengthen the community spirit. <laughs> they bypass that and get Super Blue Hummingbird Medal Goal. Maybe awarded to any person who has rendered and devoted service beneficial to Trinidad to be going in any field of human endeavor or gallantry or other humane action. So, this is the point I'm making, right? If I say, let me tell you, if I push a child out of the way out of a car, or I save somebody, and we get into this Paris story, right, where somebody being hailed as a hero, I wouldn't be surprised if the person who dived and saved that one person in this Paria tragedy could be awarded a Hummingbird Medal. He could get gold, silver, or bronze, but let me say that he, he come and he get a Hummingbird Medal gold. 
for gallantry and bravery and so on. And we have a man who wants to go and fight in Ukraine. <laughs> he, he left in here to go and fight in Ukraine. Sound familiar because there are some, some ISIS and some men want to go and fight with ISIS in, in Afghanistan. Remember that story? But that one wasn't so well accepted and loved in Trinidad and Tobago the way they see it. This man is a brave man for going and fighting in Ukraine. But Ukraine versus ISIS, right? So somebody asked me the other day, how come I ain't talking about Russia and Ukraine war? I don't care about these white people. But so I, I, I mean, it's clear that certain wars more important than others. But let me go straight too far, right? The man who went and fight for Ukraine or somebody who saved somebody could get the same award that Super Blue gained. Or I have an issue that. I have an issue that. Why Super Blue wouldn't be considered for the order of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago? The man is clearly the most one of the most dominant in his field in whether you want to call it Calypso, Soka, Kaiso, and Cultia in general. Let me read again. Eh? Even if you say, all right, he can't get the order of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, you know, they say things about Super Blue and so on. And they might not want to game the order of the Republic. The Shaconia Medal may be awarded to people who have performed long and meritorious service to Trinidad and Tobago, tending to promote the national welfare or strengthen the community spirit. How much deliberation you had to do? Let, let me take each one of these at, at, at one at a time. Long and meritorious service. Long and meritorious service, winning the road march in 1980 with a song that fresh like hell today. I will play it, you know, just, just, just to make the points I'm making, right? The song he win with in 1990, which would have been his first road march. If it played today, the song bad. To the point where when I saw him come on stage with, um, with Fian and them, and he sing these same songs, which would have won the road march in the, in the 80s. Those songs gain the same kind of response that he gained for songs that he sing last year and year before. Hear this. Tell me if this song make any eighties or if this song make now. Listen to a prayer meeting, Baptist people preaching. With a leader in front, happy people shaking. So I tell my partner, boy, let we get closer. Because I tell myself, I'm hearing so calm. Though it was something to be spiritual. Sing with me. <laughs> to me, it was more like Bacchanal. Oh, no, yeah. People dancing. Some jumping out of time. If you see Baptist woman, why sing? When they sing him, whoa, whoa. Like Soka Baptist, <laughs> like Soka Baptist, <laughs> Soka Baptist. That is where you win with in 1980. How fresh that song song in now. So when you tell me long and meritorious service, right? <laughs> Minus 2018. I ain't even get, I ain't going up to 2022. Eh? We still have song releasing this year. But I'm going back, I'm going back to 2018. If you just want to count the space between his last road marches alone, don't, don't, don't count nothing else. So long and meritorious, we, we established that. Promoting national welfare and, commu- and, and strengthening community spirit. We, we, want, we, we questioning that about, um, about Super Blue. <laughs> uh, I just want to understand what it is under question when they come with these, uh, when they come with these awards. So you, you can't give him order to the Republic for what I, I can't see why he wouldn't be considered for that. But 
even how you how you bypass your Kony and go to Hummingbird Medal. When you see artists, I ain't going to call no names. Uh, when you see they refusing to accept national awards, you can't vex with them. You know? Because if I remember right, did Kitchener refuse a national award? I, 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 some somewhere in my memory have me let me google it while i hear kitchener refused national award i really can't remember uh i believe as well that leroy clark was trying they were trying to award him something and he was like now nah, the whole only award uh, but i can't remember right so i don't want i don't want to say that for for sure but when you see people refusing it i i think these are the reasons that we we need a, a clearer system where we understand what it is a man to do to get ordinary Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. And I, I salute to Chuck does because for the, all the work he has done in, not just on the stage and in Calypso and so on, but also in academics. And I, I, w- I would argue that when, when, you, when you read the, the ordinary Republic description, it, it, nobody will fit that better than Chuck does or what is it any personal citizen who renders distinguished and outstanding service to Trinidad and Tobago. How could he not be considered for that when he's the most dominant person in his art form? But again, Super Blue is the most dominant person in his art form too. So, I believe in it alone. Salute to, salute to Super Blue. I'm glad that he get through with that award. I don't want to say get right. I'm glad that he was bestowed that award. He's more than deserving of a Hummingbird medal. I would, I, would, I would go as far as to say by 2019, it must have been long overdue why somebody was like him was considered. And let me ask this too. When you get one award, you could get the next one? I wonder. I, I, I'm not sure. Because um, if you... Let's say that you... Wait now. <laughs> I really shouldn't do this, you know, but I'm now seeing something here. We spoke here before about... um. An artist called Jackie Hinkson, who does the mural on the street. I just want to say that he was awarded Shaconia Medal Gold. Salute to him too. But you understand the point again. I don't want to compare nobody's service to one another, but if he could be considered for Shaconia Gold, which I'm sure he deserves for his long and meritorious service in bringing people together, I think he's done that. How Super Blue could get an award that not at least on the same level as this is beyond me. Knees. I'm back. Shaconia Gold, but Super Blue. It's hummingbird goal. Anyway, I'm coming off this. I don't want to sound like you. I, I promise I'll always go and open the episode on a positive note. You know? So this was about positivity <laughs> and about celebrating the fact that these artists have gotten what would be their just due or rewarded. You know how I feel about that. I, I find like we need to f- make sure that we continue to honor these people. As Luther was on this list, I'm trying to find my favorite Luther song and play that before we come off this topic. Yeah, now looking for it here and I ain't seen it, you know. The song go, you're born in Arima, grow up to Napuna, but kill you dead in your heart and your head, you belong to Jamaica. Your favorite radio station, number one in the nation, 96.1% Jamaican accent and a bam bam Jamaican, a yaga ya, bam bam Jamaican. Listen, that was one of Luther. I hope that is Luther now. I'm doubting myself because searching for it here and I ain't finding it. But salute to all of them who win national awards. I hope that song was Luther. And I want to know where's the criteria and a mission. I want to know where's the criteria for people of the culture getting national awards and why it seems to be limited. Like we have a ceiling on the thing or I ain't so sure. Alright, what are we going on to next? I had to get back to this Paria story, right? Maybe, maybe I should do that one time. So the uh, of course rest in peace to those who would have passed and condolences to the families we saw over the past co- the course of the past week 
the funerals and the people being laid to rest is, is a, side, a sad sight throughout, boy. And I remember I tell you, I have a little bit of a personal connection to that. So salute to my boy, Ver, and uh, boy, my prayers with you. Thoughts and prayers to the, to the Henry family at a time like this. But of course, the politicking don't stop. Known among the loss of life. You remember my boy Pablo tell me, Pablo say, boy, for a few days, everybody's be calling you, everybody checking on you. And we just talking about people, high profile people like Ian Allen and Philip Alexander and these people, they, they behind you. They, and then eventually, people will forget, people will move on, a new scandal will come and you can't get onto these people again. And we're starting to see it happening now where it's starting to become uh, opposition versus government. Like, I shouldn't even say starting, it, it, it just showing itself even more. Because all the pro-UNC people or the pro-opposition people dig in the heels and that Paria is to blame and Paria do everything wrong and Paria is who kill these people and is murderers in Paria. And all the pro-PNM or the pro-government people starting to say, hey, 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 let the investigation go on, it's in Paria and something hiding and blah, blah, blah. the normal story. We're we, we back here again. So the Paria, the first thing we see coming out early last week was the Paria committee scrapped this from the Guardian, this from Anna Ramdas. Is the Guardian? What is this? This is the Express, Anna Ramdas. Prime Minister Keith Rowley last night announced that a three-person commission of inquiry will be launched into the circumstances that led to the death of four divers. Uh, yeah, so they moved from a paria committee, which uh, Eugene Tio, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Tio or Tio, would have resigned from because he said, listen, they're making this thing into a political football, and he not involved in that. Not his words, right? My words. So he stepped down. The, I don't, I'm not sure that there was somebody from BP and from Shell as well involved in this on, on that three-person paria committee. And that fall apart once Tia pulled out. I believe Tia was a former head of the energy chamber, if I'm not mistaken. He pulled out. So now we're going into commission of inquiry. And the commissioner inquiry, I thought they said the commissioner of inquiry was five people. But now we have a three-person commissioner inquiry. So let me read on. Speaking during conversations with the Prime Minister, Rowley said the five-member committee originally appointed to investigate the incident will be scrapped. Oh, sorry. There was a five-member committee originally uh, appointed and then we go into a three-person commissioner inquiry. I've instructed today, after they instructed the Minister of Energy on behalf of the Cabinet to cancel the arrangement that was made public and therefore there will be no five-man committee of the experts that, we, that were made public because even before the... They've done the job. The population has been so riled up into not accepting any work that they've done that it's a waste of time. But <laughs> Rowley have a communications person? Maybe you need somebody to help him write statements. Referring to the committee, he said, we have to cancel that and we're going to have a commission of inquiry because apparently that is what will satisfy... <laughs> apparently that is what will satisfy a commission of inquiry because some people believe, let's play courthouse with it. We'll have an army of lawyers. We'll spend hundreds of millions of dollars if we can. Certainly millions of dollars. And we'll, be, we'll bring a commission of inquiry. The main reason, according to our colleagues, is that we, we'll be able to call and summon and cross-examine all of these things. And of course, having done that, nobody's integrity will be at risk. Nobody's attempt to cover up. And we'll certainly get it done that way. So again, even in, I was talking about Paria versus LMCS last week, but even in the Prime Minister's statements, you're starting to hear where it's starting, the, the, the focus are already shifting away from those who have lost their lives and the families of those who have lost their lives. So I, I hope that when this commissioner inquiry takes, um, takes flight, 
that it brings some level of closure to the family. I don't think it will, to be honest with you, because again, in the wise words of Pablo, all that don't matter when you lost your son. So I, I remember going through one moment with Pablo, right? There's, there's something that opened my eyes a lot to these things. I remember being so upset about the way... Pa- now, just to give some backstory, Pablo's son... I, 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 I'll talk to him before I put this out there, but if, I, if, if you ain't here, well, if you ain't here this party, you ain't know it eating. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're okay with me talking about this, but his son, his son's death was labeled as a suicide. It was national news and all that. Salute to my boy and rest in peace to, to, to Japol. It was labeled as a suicide. And I was with Pablo when he got our news. And I know this boy a little boy. Of course, me and Pablo is partners since I in Fatima. You know what I mean? Pablo is a neighbor I grew up with in the area, right? And I remember being with Pablo when we heard our news. We, uh, uh, you know me, I don't like to come out my house, eh? so we were planning. They, they, he and my good, my good brother Damien, <laughs> that's the old St. James squad, we say we're going up in the, um, what is it called? That place? Paprika. We say we're going up in Eureka and we're going to have a time. We're bringing back the old time days, you know what I mean? So they get me to come out my house. I don't like to come out. Eh? So I say, you know what? My only hope is to go up by my mother in St. James because if I stay home in Shogunas here, I ain't leaving home to go up in Eureka. So I say, right, I, I up by my mother and I dress it and think, bam, I get a call. They say, Japol commit suicide. I said, what the hell is this I hear in here? What are you talking about? And at, at that moment, all plans for paprika and thing out the door. I want to go down the road and see. I want to see what happened. I want to see him. You know what I mean? It's, this, this is your son. This is your firstborn. This is uh, unbelievable. You know what I mean? And... Well, we end up going to Eureka still, right? That's another story. I didn't know if Pablo was shocked by the news, something went wrong. And he didn't want to go immediately. But of course, I spent the week, when I leave Paprika, I went back by Pablo. I spent the whole night we just uh, just to stay with him, boy, because I, I, he's devastated. I mean, I devastated. And I just sitting down next to him and watching him going through these emotions. And I don't want to leave him. It is just, it's, it's too much. Pablo living by himself at that time. I don't want to leave him home by himself with that thing. And eventually when we gather ourselves on thing this Saturday morning now, we going down Shogunas where this thing happened. And let me tell you something, me and no, I, I, I could never get an award for gallantry and these types of things. I, I, if it's at a coward award, they might have quicker give me that. But when we reach down there and I, I meet the guy who he was with when they say he commits suicide, his girlfriend and another fellow was a part of the scene. Let me put it like that. Where the story was going like, he and the girlfriend fall out, and he, he, he partner as well was, was there with them. And when they fall out bad, they leave with the children. This is the girlfriend and the partner and the children. All of them leave, and then he lock himself in the place and hang himself. Let me tell you something. That story never add up to me. It ne- From the time and now, I want to appreciate something, right? Me being the naive one who, who don't like confrontation and don't like fight and thing. In my whole life... Two people, Pablo and Many Faces, is always be the ones to come and tell me, boy, people taking you for a fool. I remember <laughs> Pablo, a man like to cuss to it, just like myself. So sometimes I talk about something with contractor and this and that, and boy, I get the man the money up front. Pablo don't pour water anymore to say nothing. Pablo says a fool or what? But his fool, his, the word he's used for fool is start with a C, right? <laughs> and he say, you can't trust people, but it's stupid out. You cannot trust people. That is the type of person Pablo is generally. And he's always, always keep on track with that kind of thing, right? And I find like Pablo is buying this story. This youth man telling Pablo what happened. And Pablo, I, I think his grief and his shock and all that put together. 
And I remember having to pull Pablo physically away. And I was like, Pablo, that little boy not telling you the truth. And I said, let me tell you this. I said, look, this not adding up. This not adding up. And I think that moment, something went off in Pablo's mind. I said, Pablo, them boys and them do job pull something, you know. Me saying, you never know as a man frame of mind. I don't know much about suicide, so you can't say, well, who do this or who? All I'm saying is this story not adding up. And I know Pablo would have do that for me in that moment. So I pull him and I say, boy, this is his story. So with that, the family reached out to people like Ian Allen and them and tried to get the public involved because when we went by the police station to tell the police and them, listen, the story not adding up the boy, the, the, the senior man in Shogunas police station say outright, that case closed, that is a suicide. Listen, down to the point where we, they went and paid for the next autopsy because the man did not know no more sort of mark. The things that normal with a suicide, uh, it's it just from the movies, right? If you know, are hanging yourself, what happened if you pop your neck or the rope thing in your neck? None of them things, the boy looking normal, but you have a big, like, wound in the back of his head. And it's like, so somebody hits him or something. And I could be wrong about all this, eh? but as a family, you go want investigation done to try to figure out why it has happened. Just to give yourself that closure, you can't just go on thinking, well, your son commits suicide, but he's under the strangest set of circumstances. That must affect somebody else later on in life. That affects any people who left behind. But we have a society here where if you ain't had any money and you had the, the drive to pay for your own autopsy, get your own lawyers to pursue something, or make something into a national story where the Prakash Ramadas and the Ananaram Logans of this world will show up and represent you in some way, boy, crap will smoke your pipe. So he had to just eat that story. That And, and that is why he keeps saying, listen, this thing gonna die down eventually and then nobody could be interested in this. The reason he keeps saying that is because that is what he went through with his son. It was a big national story. Ian Allen come. The little, you know when you buy a, a chair for them little children, they sell you these little plastic chair. They say that is where he stand up on to hang himself. Listen. When Ian Allen put his foot on the chair, which I find was stranger because I think about this evidence, you can't just mash it up on these kind of things. But Ian Allen put his foot, from the time he put his foot on the chair, the whole chair break apart. So how that would be the same chair he stand up on? But anyway, getting too deep into that. The point I'm making is that the, the, the focus of this now starts to become about who is to blame between Paria versus the people who are going against Paria. Somehow, LMCS skillfully have themselves out of this completely. I just salute the people from LMCS. Notwithstanding that they would have lost somebody to where one of the directors of the company, I understand, would have, would have been lost in this, in this tragedy. But I find it so strange that the fight just become the people against Paria. That is a real odd thing, you know. And I think it's the way the... um, It might just be the way everything being reported, I suppose. I don't know. Because... It, I am assuming, I, or our company, we are contractors for different people as well, but I can tell you, in our case, we ain't making a national story or anything, right? We're not doing that kind of business, and we ain't that big anyway. But if something happened with one of empl- our employees, that is our employee, you know, it don't matter who we contracted by, and who, it does not matter, that is our employee. So, as far as I'm concerned, we taking responsibility for that. I'm not into this kind of thing, and that's who I am personally. I, I, I listen to myself when I'm trying to blame somebody else for something that happened. You know, something happened to an employee, and I don't want to blame this one, and this one do that, and this one. I listen to myself very carefully when I'm doing that. And I say, hey, it don't matter. The person passed away. And I've been in the situations before where we have lost employees more than once in more than one country. And I could tell you, 
that our first instinct is what can we do to help this situation now because you have a family who left behind who have a ton of grief and a ton of issues to deal with but also funeral expenses and those things to face which could be could be a source of a source of issues as well and that's why I say salute to LMCS for coming out immediately and saying that they cover any cost of the funeral of all these people. I think that was a, a, a great move. I would have probably done the same thing. And uh, grief counseling for the people who left behind, I would have probably done the same thing. I would have said, you know what I mean? For the people who here, you have a rough time now. Your children, your wife, and so on, is, is, is a lot to be done. And I'm sure that somewhere along the line, whatever insurance is, especially for a dangerous job like that, there would be some sort of a settlement for the families eventually. So I don't know if the play is to get a bigger settlement because Paris involved, but I just find it real odd that the contractor themselves just coming out squeaky clean in this thing, like you had no responsibility for the safety of your employees. It's just Paris your fault almost before the investigation is done. So, I mean, as a podcaster, I feel comfortable coming and say that here, but I just don't think that the prime minister should come out and say... <laughs> Well, it was a waste of time anyhow, so we're going to put a commissioner inquiry. But apart of ways, as much as I don't support him saying that, I think you're right. Going to a commissioner inquiry now. And when I hear commissioner inquiry, the first thing I just remember is the commissions of inquiry into the 1990 coup. And I don't know, a part of me felt like when they do the commissioner inquiry, so that people that get arrested and people that get. But the reality is that nothing will happen. By the time they come to do the commissioner inquiry, the coup is not no big thing again. They do that 20, 30 years after the coup. I don't know how big it is. So, I mean, hopefully this commissioner inquiry brings some level of closure to the families involved. But uh, I don't know if it will. I want to read something about uh, coming, uh, following on from this story. The Express through Kimberly Wallace had done a story from a diving instructor calling for accountability. Uh, PADI scuba instructor Pravir Parasutan has been diving since the age of 12. Naturally, naturally the underwater world is his domain. Because Parasutan is so protective of his profession, he has chosen to speak out against companies that use scuba divers to do jobs that should be reserved for commercial divers. He also sounded the warning about halfway commercial diving schools, which he says are ill-equipped to train scuba scuba divers in that specialized field. Knowing how to scuba scuba dive, having some problems saying the word scuba dive. Knowing how to scuba dive does not automatically mean one can do the work of a commercial diver. Parsotan explained the difference, having problems at all words. What we as recreational scuba divers use is a tank a compressed air cylinder that will allow you about a half, about an hour in shallow depth to recreationally dive in a controlled and relaxed environment. With commercial diving, you're burning energy because you're at work. One has the additional weight of tools and, wel- and equipment for welding, cutting, and other physical labor, so you would require more air. If you try to breathe off a scuba tank while doing hard work, you will finish the tank in, half hour, in a half hour. That's why commercial divers use air, su- air surface supply 
where there's a compressor connected to hoses which supplies as much air as the divers require for as long as they are working underwater. Now, I do a real terrible job reading that, right? This was a struggle. This is a struggle morning when it comes to the reading. So just go <laughs> in Mighty Express and look for dive instructor calls for accountability. This was one of the things I was thinking during the time, right? If you have a tank that's supposed to last year, let's say the tank is last year, two hours. I think if you're under pressure, and you're in a unfortunate situation where you're stuck in a pipe and them thick. I know myself personally, I would have breathed out a whole tank. I tell all him a story about the, um, the MRI the other day, right? He went on to say in Trinidad, we are very laxed in the sense that we let scuba divers do commercial diving work. That should not be so. You need to be a train, you need to be trained to know how to handle dangerous situations that may, may arise. Now, I was glad that he came out and said this because when, um, when you think of the risks associated with that kind of work, I would want to always know for the for the for the national psyche, if not for the safety of the individuals and the families involved and so on. I would always want to know that if I am working for a company, they're giving me all the necessary tools and all necessary training to do this job. And if you're going in somewhere as an admin assistant and you don't get training and you don't get tools, it's an inconvenience. But if you're going in somewhere as an underwater welder that going and you have to swim into um three foot pipes which i still can't fathom up to today i think lack of training and lack of the proper tools is putting everybody involved at risk it's putting all of us at risk when we do that so i want to echo the call of of, of parsatam who is talking about uh just making sure so so the commissioner inquiry nothing according to according to pablo no, I was telling you, about, I think I lost this story in Pablo, the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make with Pablo, right? Is, there was a point at which we were, we turned into Magnum PI and, and, and Kojak and them. We was investigating everything and working out everything. And there was a point at which both of us kind of realized nothing we're doing here ain't going to bring back Japo. And at that point, I was like, okay, we need to figure out how to move on from this or how to ask for the answers involved with the complete knowledge that no matter how well we do and how much more investigation come and who get arrested and think nothing we go and bring him back and that's that's what i want us to establish about the commissioner inquiry as well because even if on behalf of the families nothing gonna bring back yusuf for the to the henry family but i do feel as if we have the opportunity to change the industry change the way we operate it so i saw as well that Paria was suspended. Paria, both Paria and LMCS were suspended from doing any type of underwater work or maintenance. And I think that's a good move. That is a positive move coming out of, of this whole incident. Because then it allows us to review not just this particular thing. And I think if we if we get in anything out of a commissioner inquiry, forget who getting locked up on them thing because it could be just like the coup that not happening, right? What we need out of this commission inquiry more than anything else is where were the failures? Forget who is to blame for a minute. Where were the failures? How did we fail these three people and their families and the national community? How did we fail? And say, all right, from now on, this is what we do where divers are concerned. This is how we sign off. This is what equipment they need. Like, there was another article talking about this same commercial versus recreational divers. And one of the things the guy was saying was, what they call hat and line. He say one of the one of the um if you if you want to understand what hat and line is, there's a movie with um uh, Robert De Niro and 
I was going to say Scuba Gooden Jr. <laughs> Cuba Gooden Jr. and Robert De Niro, right? Where it was, it, was about, it was about Navy diving and they had this big heavy suit that they had to put on. And there was a line connected to the helmet that was feeding oxygen to you from the shore. Now, one of the things that the guy was saying, which I was unsure about, and I mean, he's the expert, so I don't go, I don't go with what he's saying, right? But he was saying that if they had had a line, none of these things would have happened because they would have had a feed of oxygen in the tank. But the way the survivor of this came out and spoke uh, this week, I you know it's like the line could have burst, the hat could have come clean. I'm, I'm not sure how he's so sure that with that suction that they get pulling into the pipe with the hat and line would have remained. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a strange thing to say, especially when when the talk was about delta P or differential pressure. So much of these videos you see about differential pressure, the whole line was cut and all them things. So I'm not sure how he understand, but I understand where he's coming from in terms of a, a feed of oxygen from the land so you could stay down there longer. You don't have to worry about how much more oxygen left in your tank or if you panic and you breathe too much your oxygen running out and them things. But also you have communication within the helmet. So that you could talk to people on shore at all times or you have cameras on you, you know. You know people have a GoPro. They see the helmet have a GoPro built in so I could see what the divers see in and, and, and just get a sense of what happens in case of emergency. Whereas the story that came out, they have this um, hyperbolic chamber. This is way above me, hyperbolic chamber. Like, I suppose to know what that is. But it seems to be something that allows you to have a air pocket underwater so you can enter the pipe. So they had communication in there and they had video in there. So when they lost communication, that is how they know they had an emergency. Now, I want to get real quick to the story about the, uh, the survivor's story. The, the, the headline is the day I cheated that. This is why Anaramdas in the God in the Express story, and this is the story of Christopher Budram. This is the one person who survived this tragedy. And Olehena, for the sake of a commissioner inquiry, whatever version of this it, it takes to get to the truth, because I interested in the truth behind the story more so than the blame and some are interested in figuring out well what really went wrong this whole paria stopped us from going back into the water and we went back and we saved the per- same person and i was looking at rhoda barrett's live from news source as well and she does a great job breaking down these things and has more knowledge than i would ever have it in in these stories because she seems to get a lot of information from several different stories you know people are their sources i guess that's what i call it news source right and she's saying that the person who's saying they saved the thing, I think it was Ronnie Ramuta, he's not the person who saved it. Somebody else had saved him and so on. But I, I, I don't know about that. I'm reading directly from the Guardian, the Express. Two weeks after he stared death in the face, Christopher Budram, the lone survivor of the Paria tragedy, which claimed four of his colleagues has unburdened all to the Sunday Express. He feels deeply that his friends could have been rescued as he left them alive in air pockets in the Paria pipeline. Now, I'll go into some specific parts of this eh, because he... There's a lot that he said, and there's a long article. If you want the article, just go to, just search for the day I cheated that, and around that, so it will come up, right? He said criminal charges should be proffered against Parrier, Parrier, which declared his colleagues dead, and the Coast Guard, which prevented rescue efforts. Budram, 36, who appeared visibly shaken and unable, unable to walk properly or use his bruised left arm, spent three hours recalling what took place on that dreaded day. Uh, let me go to where he's talking. He said, here's a blow-by-blow account of the tragic day, now subject to the commission of inquiry. And for, on February 25th, he woke up at 4 a.m. to get to work early. He did his normal morning routine of prayer, exercise, breakfast, and headed to Paris around 5.30 a.m., which was about two minutes f- from his home. 
He went on to say, uh, the five divers boarded the barge and went out to the habitat. Up to now, I didn't understand what's the habitat. Assuming the habitat is just offshore, like the sea. Four of them dived into the water and swam to the entrance of the hyperba- hyperbaric chamber. You see how bad I am? I say hyperbolic. Hyperbaric chamber, right? <laughs> when you enter the chamber, you take off your dive gear because inside there is a dry space. We have an air hose from the barge that comes through to the top of the chamber into compressors that are pumping air to keep the space dry. It's all under the water, but that space is dry. So assume you're swimming with your tank on your back, you get on in there, and then you could breathe normally in that hyperbaric chamber. Uh, that morning, the job entailed taking off a blank metal plate, taking out the first plug, and then a second plug, putting down a half pipe on it, joining a new piece of riser to the old riser, bolted down, and that was it. I suppose that was simple, I guess. I don't know. He said, adding there was a camera on the wall as well as an emergency radio. That's inside the hyperbaric chamber, right? He said Kazem Ali Jr. was the last to enter the chamber as he came to check on them. We had just removed two plugs when Ali Jr. entered the chamber and the whole room just filled up with water and started to flood out in an instant. He said, I tried to jump out and I just remember being in something like a tornado and getting beat around in there. After that, I remember being inside the pipe and getting flushed down. And it felt like 50 to 100 miles per hour. I remember hurtling in, in that pipeline and at an unimaginable speed. It felt like I was in a tornado. I remember trying to stop myself in the pipe and it was just skating. That is... Why? This man will need a lot of counseling though because that is a real scary experience on top of that you're losing your friends. I told myself in my mind, this is the end. Mom, I'm coming. Father, open the gate. Let me see what the next side is. My chest started tightening. My throat was making a noise. My heart was racing and slowing down at the same time. I thought that was it. He said his mother died in January from heart disease. Budram said he held his breath throughout the period and then he felt his movement beginning to slow down. He said he fell into an air pocket of the pipeline and started to gasp for breath. Now, the air pocket, I couldn't understand that either. In my little layman brain, I think, you know, okay, it's a pipe. So maybe when you have a thing flowing through a pipe, it don't go all the way to the top of the pipe. It might stop short and you have a little space to breathe on top. But he explained, he said, air pocket, he explained, is part of the pipe that is not completely filled with water, but empty, semi dry, and will allow one to breathe without a tank. So, as you, well, I guess he said the diving equipment, I don't understand. Because what I was trying to figure out, right, is if you have a tank on your back and you have to go, did they have to go into the pipe like as part of the normal work? I don't understand that. If you had to go into the pipe, can you go into that 36 inch pipe or 30 inch pipe as part of your saying with a tank on your back? I don't know, like you could do that, does it have enough space? But he said the seabed is not flat and therefore the pipeline is shaped with the contours of the seabed and would not be completely filled with water but have a number of air pockets. He said he started dragging himself along the pipeline, which is about 36 inches in diameter, using his elbow and feet for about 10 minutes in the air pocket before he heard Ali Ali Jr.'s voice. I was on my back. I began crawling and dragging myself feet first along the pipeline when I started to hear screaming. I tell myself them fellas outside and looking for me. I yell back, I come in, I come in, I inside the pipe, I come in. He said he heard a voice shout, shout back, me too, me too. I inside the pipeline too, boy. It's me, Kaz. Kaz boy, Kaz. Budram said he shouted to Ali Jr. that he was coming, but he couldn't see anything as it was pitch black 
and he could not tell exactly where Ali Jr. was, so he continued dragging himself along the air pockets of the pipeline. Now, it's a long article, right? I can't read all of it, but I'll give you the summary. He went on to say that he basically reached, they were in an air pocket. All four of them, he's saying, was in the air pocket. But um, Yusuf, he said, was badly damaged. He said, Yusuf telling me handbrake and a footbrake. So he can't crawl out. And that's all that I was trying to envision. Like, if you're in a 36-inch pipe, like, how are you swimming out of there? Because he said when he reached the end of the air pocket, he was going to swim through. And he swam for about 20 minutes before he reached another air pocket. Now, I don't understand. It's, it's too hard. All these things where our, our, com- our commissioner inquiry could shed light onto this incident for me because... You could you can't swim for twenty minutes without. I let me put myself here. Eh, becoming a diver, I can't swim for twenty minutes without breathing. So if you swim for twenty minutes, we, you could swim for twenty minutes under in a pipe without breathing and panic mode. I don't know. And he said the person who was right behind him, he told him that listen, wait for him. But he said he can't wait. He going and get help. And he swim through. He find an next air pocket, and then he reached back the vertical part of the pipe, and he was able to. I don't know if he swim up or climb up from there. And then is when he said Ramuta came to the rescue. He saw Ramuta and they gave him an oxygen tank and he was able to swim back up to the habitat. I assume the habitat is the surface. Let me just assume that, right? But it's just so much that I don't understand about this story. I don't know if, and I know I have people who listen who in this field and so on, so maybe you can help me shed light on this. Because if you're in a hyperbaric chamber, is it that all the work you would typically do is within that chamber? So all you, had, all you need the tank for is to swim down in there, do the work, and then you put back on your tank and swim out. Or do is there a reason that these guys have to enter a pipeline like that? I do not understand how you swim through water. Like what stroke you using to get through water in a 36-inch pipe? It's so confusing to me. And 20 minutes worth of swimming. Although I could I could understand where even in reading this story from the express, right? Apart from me keep saying, listen, this man would be obviously extremely afraid, extremely panicked. Went through a whole lot down there. You know, time to slow down when you're going through an emergency. But I'm not sure that the human brain is designed well to um, to recount issues when you had a major problem. Like if you ever get in a car accident, you know everything is slowed down and everything. But when you're trying to recall the story, you yourself will be trying to piece together things to see. Uh, your brain trying to put it back together. Although everything is real vivid and clear to you at the time, I'm not sure if the part of the brain that is dealing with your memory and them things put that together very, very well. But, I mean, what, what the thing that I'm really, really happy about is that at least we have one survivor who will tell a story. He already said that um, his position is already that Paria failed them. Paria set them up and they leave his friends for dead. I think the most hurtful part of it from his viewpoint is I tell my friends I was coming back for them. You could see that haunting him, boy. And listen, thoughts and prayers with him because he tell his friends he coming back, and then he well he couldn't he obviously couldn't come back, but he still seemed to be blaming himself for that. And then on top of that, the the rescuers, which he thought he was going to get for his friends, he say he and them banging the pipe and all that, they, they they never came back. So at least for the purpose of the commission inquiry, and at least at this point in time, he's saying that. He willing to talk. It's clear that he willing to talk and he wants to show how Paria failed him and his friends. So, I mean, thoughts and prayers to all of them involved. Now, another exp- um, Express article that I found very, very interesting at the beginning of this week. Headline, PM, it was me. This is by Ria Tate, right? 
Although he was previously reluctant to admit it, Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley has confirmed that he was the high-ranking official who met with the then Police Service Commission, Bliss Sipersad, Commissioner Bliss Sipersad, at the President's house and provided her with information with respect to Police Commissioner Gary Griffith. No. There's a tricky one for me, you know. I don't know what the Constitution says as to how this should work, but I could tell you from a little one-year studying government <laughs> in UWE that... You see, the separation between different arms of governance is an important thing. It's supposed to have a separation. You see, the state is the state. Well, well, different things make up the state. It's the legislature, the parliamentary, whatever you call that. It's the judiciary. It's the police. There's several different elements. The media that will make for good governance overall, right? So that you have enough checks and balances and stuff. Now, we say this pretty coolly. In the article, basically just saying that this just happened to be the selection time when we was, you know, in the, in the process of choosing the new commissioner or deciding if to reappoint the commissioner. It just so happened that that was the timing. But he would almost as if once I had this information, I would have taken it to the head of the police service commission anyway. But it just so happened to be when they had the new lessons on. Now, a part of his defense is that he has. As a prime minister, different to any other prime minister before him, according to his account, put several people in place who may not be PNM people. I'm gonna put it like that, right? So he say, I think he put Anthony Smart. Uh, did he say Vasan Barrett as well? No, he didn't put Vasan. He didn't say Vasan Barrett, but that would have been one of them as well who he make appointments. For. Although I don't, I'm not sure where Vasan Barrett stands now. If he's UNC PNM or what exactly he his allegiance is. He called Gypsy. Uh yeah, Robert Myers was a former NAR person. I don't think that matter all those NAR. Nobody will study NAR again. Anthony Smart was also NAR. Uh, but Gypsy was a UNC person. <laughs> and he put him, he said, and the government also appointed Winston Gypsy Peters, former UNC minister, as chairman of NCC. I don't think that's the best example either. I think he also ran for PNM for Maruga, if I remember right. And my memory is so great, you know, but I think I remember that. He said then. We didn't go out there and pluck Gary Griffith and say he's our man. The Police Service Commission sent a list us and Gary Griffith had a good kind of profile to face the criminal element. He was a military man and talked a good talk. But most importantly, he was screened by the Police Service Commission and ranked number four on the merit list. Now, this has been one of Gary's arguments, right? That he way outshined anybody in terms of his experience from a military standpoint. And there was some kind of test which he did much better than everybody else. So his question was, why is he placed number four on the merit list? I also find it's a kind of is a valid question, and this is where I have a difficulty with the prime minister not just interfering. Let me not say interfering in the process, meeting with the police service commission directly to give feedback on a sitting police commissioner, especially given our history when we had so many years without a police commissioner, and one of the biggest problems you have in this country is crime. Crime is one, of the, is one of the reasons now I'm studying whether we should stay here or we should ride out. I don't want to go through this. I'm not, I'm not going through that thing where man kicking in your door and you helpless in your house. I ain't going through that. And one of the options is to get out of here. So, with crime being such an important issue, a police commissioner is a critical part of solving that issue. And you know, all the governments, all the, propo- let me say political parties, all the proposed political parties who are running for government a big part of their campaign is always crime but these are the things that make me feel like all ain't taking crime seriously because it's not affecting all they don't reach home by you 
So you 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 unaffected by it. So it's whatever. The Prime Minister meeting with his police service commission, particularly to give feedback on a sitting commissioner, does not look right to me. I don't know if our constitution is allowed, so I'm not saying that Rowley doing something wrong. Maybe he's doing the right thing and that's what he's supposed to do. I am saying that if that is the case, that is something we have to look over in our constitution. That needs a change. I'm not saying that they can't give feedback, but I think the, the, the feedback that a prime minister given to a police service commission in the presence of the president should be made public. Whether they had to do it in parliament so that it's on the Hansard, it should be public. These people should not have private meetings to talk about what a police commissioner is doing. It's so, so put it this way. Let's assume Rolly Bigson. You want to eat dinner? Let's assume Rolly Bigson. Just go joking, right? That's a joke. Let's assume that he involved in some kind of racketeering or some kind of crime that the prime that the police commissioner is under his stewardship being investigated by the police and he in charge of the police force, right? Is it then that the prime minister could coolly meet with the head of this police service commission and give feedback to say, this is why I've lost confidence in this person. And then it goes to whether whether it is you're doing this based on the advice of the prime minister or not, when the list get pulled back and then sent back with all the, the name of the person who, or asterisks by the name of the person who the prime minister had issues with, are we comfortable living in a society where that happened? Because you live in, forget Trinidad for a while, because I know we trust one another and we love one another and we we, we were carnival and once we once we fed and think for carnival, we have a good time for Christmas Eve and Diwali, we don't really study nothing. Think of Mexico for a minute, especially if you watch Narcos and you, you realize the level of corruptibility that has happened, particularly with Narcos Mexico, right? Narcos Colombia was bad, but Narcos Mexico was because, or if you ever watch the series El Chapo, where you see the attorney general working directly with El Chapo, getting things done, organizing a bus. So he's telling El Chapo here we're going on a running back for election. I want to bus one of your, um, your cocaine runs. What I go do? I go send it back for you, right? But let me bus that so I could get a front page story so I will look like if I solve any cocaine thing, I'll run that cocaine right back to you. That them things documented. Or a situation where men outright rigging a voting system to get back in power. And when the when the when the digital rigging didn't work too well and they get found out about that, them men send gangsters by every polling station and tell them change the number on the call. We we not there, right? Uh, I don't want to say yet either to call it on ourselves that we there. But when you have a, pr- a prime minister who our constitution, let's assume that it allows for a meeting where you could dis- express your displeasure with the person. I want to say that there's no commissioner who has ever sat in that seat as commissioner or nobody who ever sit in any job where there's somebody who could come and say all right i don't like how the person do this i don't like this i lost confidence in the person your your loss of confidence is your opinion as informed as it might be that is your opinion about the person so you giving your opinion but your opinion so weighted that a list could go back and the man could be removed that i, I think that is dangerous business and again, I'm not saying anything was wrong that he do because he might have been well within his right to do it. I think if that is the case, we need to change the rules, change the constitution. Whoever governs this, change it. Let us not assume that it's always going to be Rowley and Kamala who we love and think in power. It go as somebody in power who we hate completely. And that person could say, hey, here what's going on? The only person could be commissioner of police in this country 
is so by so. And when they put so by so there is because so by so carrying out all the wishes of that prime minister. That is a dangerous precedent. I want to read some of what you say here, you know, because some of it was so worrying. He said Griffith has been a huge disappointment. He demonstrated all the negatives in a substantial way. And in his discontinuation with the office, and his discontinuation with the office did not come overnight. I had opportunity and reason to speak to Griffith on a number of occasions while he was serving as commissioner of police because he was going off track. One of the first tracks he went off was that he always had an, had this attitude that he is not going to recognize the minister of national security or the presence of a minister. As head of cabinet, I couldn't tolerate that. He quoted as saying, from time to time, I had to guide him back to the fact that you have a minister to report to and don't try to report to me on your matters. If it is a matter of national, if it is a national security issue as the chairman of the National Security Council, that is a different story. But in terms of bypassing the minister to deal exclusively with the prime minister, I was not encouraging that. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism. Uh, and if you have a commissioner, and I, I, not just a fair criticism, but I could see Gary doing that. Gary, when you want to talk to the prime minister and think he ignoring the minister of national security, even though he was a minister of national security before. Uh, unfortunately, the, everything we see publicly from Gary supports that that could have well be done the issue is this if you have an issue with that i want that issue to be public that should be no private meeting if if it reached to the point where you're losing confidence in him come and state it publicly so that we could we could as a society as a society see what happened and get involved in addressing it rather than it feeling like you just don't like gary and you move him because think of it as simple as this right in a normal job where you're working, if you're doing something, let's say you're bypassing your boss and you're going to somebody else and it goes against your employment contract, I cannot just simply go to industrial court and say, well, hey, I lost confidence in him and so I send him home. The industrial court going to watch me and say, yeah, what? All right, well, hear what? Write a confidence check to him for wrongful dismissal. <laughs> you know, where I'm coming from. <laughs> it's at a due process. But part of the due process is, you explain to them because the person could have make a mistake. They could have just not know. You explain to them and those types of things and so on. And then if it continues to happen, you say, well, all right, I realize I'll talk to you about this, but I want to put some things in place that will help you with this. So something to help remedy the situation with the person. You know what I mean? And then it goes to a warning letter and a second warning and a final warning and then a dismissal of a cause. And all these different things had to be done so that I show some form of a reason in the court or a paper trail to show exactly how I came up with this. A due process, right? But in the, I have to do that for somebody who might be the most junior employee. I'll go and justify why it is I send this person home, right? But at the highest levels of this country, where the person is not your employee, you could keep all this behind closed doors, all this undocumented, and then influence the decision to have that person removed in a covert way and it's just business as usual I, i'm telling you this is because we deal with these employment things these things are so tricky i don't want to end up in court for nothing and i also don't want to have to write no employee no check who was going against the employment contract let me just leave it at that right but it seems to be that here you could just say you couldn't tolerate that. You're right for not tolerating it, but where's the due process? Where's the public due process that we went through? So, so I could say, 
uh, you can't just come and say I had several conversations. You could say on this date we had a conversation about this. This is what was the outcome. On this date, we, this was his response. Give him an opportunity to respond to all them things. But anyway. So secondly, he had a horrible way of dealing with the public and I had to caution him on that. Not that I could tell the commissioner how to commission. So wait, let me read them two things back to back, right? He had a horrible way of dealing with the public and I had to caution him on that. And then goes on to say, not that I could tell the commissioner how to commission. He said, but I could tell him that the way he's dealing with the public was not what was expected from a commissioner of police. And of course, there was the issue of him disrespecting the office of the prime minister. So... I have to assume that the way the way he was dealing with the public could have been one or two things. It could have been the Wessels versus Zessel situation where he was running in and making people say sorry, Gary, on the beatum. But in the in the West, he couldn't go in Bayshore or Bayview or whichever bay it was, right? And um the the, the, the issue of disrespecting the office of the Prime Minister. <laughs> Careful with your words, eh? Disrespecting the office of the Prime Minister could have been when he Say the Prime Minister cast summons him. Listen, I don't think the Prime Minister should be able to summons a commissioner police. And I feel like if our constitution allows for that, let us make it into a public thing. Let us make it into something where we could hear the minute the meeting, hands at it or whatever. Or do it and you see how you just have conversations with the Prime Minister and you and Hans Devine something sit down. You and Hans Devine something sit down and let me talk through guy. I want to hear what the conversation is. So that we understand as a public, before the commissioner is removed, we understand clearly what are the issues that the prime minister has with the commissioner of police. And also whether he is within his right to have those issues or not. I need to know that it's not your son running a racket and you deciding that this commissioner is going too hard on your son. So you're removing him or forget his son. Or that you running a racket. You have a voting racket going on. And the, the commissioner of police is the one who the DPP given instruction to go and investigate this thing. And the prime minister saying, nah, we don't want here again. Dangerous, again, don't think of it in terms of Trinidad. Because we like here and we trust everybody and we love everybody. All the ones who we don't like, we love them still. I hate to think of countries like Mexico where the level of corruption is on a thousand. And the government ministers and the prime minister himself, even in Narcos, there was a point at which the president, or if it was president or prime minister, Narcos Colombia, that is, had to step down, if I'm not mistaken, because he was seen collect, outright collecting um, campaign funding from the Narcos. So just, just put yourself in those situations and you'll see why I'm saying that is dangerous. But he went on to say that all that could have been... Um, so you say FUL was the problem. He said all that was salvageable because people have different perspectives and personalities. All this songing like this is your bossing. <laughs> and I don't think the Commissioner of Police is reporting to or should be reporting to the Prime Minister. If if if, if the, the line is going through the Minister of National Security and he accuses them of bypassing the line to get to you, you don't bypass the line either. Let it be the Minister of National Security. He said, all that was salvageable because people have different perspectives and personalities. And even if one could have tolerated all that, when I started to get information as national chairman of <laughs> as chairman of the National Security Council, I suppose that is the caveat. If he has chairman of the National Security Council involved, okay. But just remember that, go back to Narcos again, right? Is a loophole. Because it means that if I want to get involved in the removal of a commissioner of police, what I could do is appoint myself as the chairman of the National Security Council because nobody can stop me from doing that and then I could deal with the commissioner of police myself. So this and all that to go if you ask me. 
From what I believe to be credible sources, there were serious problems within the police service with the way that the commissioner was running the police service, especially with respect to issue of firearms and ammunition and persons doing business in that sphere. I got concerned. He said I wanted to find out if there was a possibility of identifying whether this was gossip here or whether there was substance. And on this very table at which we were sitting at, I guess for the conversation, I took the decision to find two appropriate people. Former Special Branch Head uh, Arthur Barrington and former Chief of Defense Staff Hayden Pritchard to go and examine what I was being told. These were retired officers. They weren't picked up off the streets. These were people who served at the highest levels in sensitive areas in this country. And I thought they were two public servants of impeccable integrity and they could do the job. They told them what I was hearing. They told them what I was hearing and to go out there and see whether there was a modicum of substance there. They undertook the assignment and submitted a very troubling report. That then caused me to advise the police service commission that there was a problem there. They just happened to be in the process of evaluating the post candidates for the post. So it just so happened that when he got his report, there was evaluating people. And he couldn't stand by and let that happen, right? He said, But I told you, I told but I told you that if you Want to call my name? Call my name because I am the only person in cabinet who goes to see the president. This was when he was he was responding to them asking him if he was the high ranking official. So that was basically a yes. The Express has reported that the John report stated there was a thriving, well oiled, white collar criminal enterprise in respect of the granting of FUL and other restricted licenses being conducted under the nose of Griffith. So that, that we went through that here already as well. And the thing about that, my my initial response to that maybe 10 episodes ago was that while that may be true i don't think that was only under going going on under the nose of gary griffith maybe we could excuse stephen williams because apparently he approved none he decided that nobody is to get no fuel and maybe in in hindsight the reason he doing that is because he know it was corrupt and corruptible and he was just doing his job and making sure that, well, better nobody don't get it until the investigation run its course. I don't think that's the right stance to take anyway, because as sitting ducks out here, people need their fuel. Let me put it like that, right? He said uh, he didn't take it lightly, but he, he knew it was something he needed to act upon. He added, in the meantime, it just so happened that Griffith's contract had ended. So you're talking about it being in the midst of the... Uh, looking for somebody else and Griffith contract coming to end, right? He said, in the meantime, it just so happened that Griffith's contract had ended and in all the confusion, he didn't get back inside there. <laughs> because there's no way that I could be expected to say, yes, mister, come back to the police to, to be commissioner of police because the enterprise is missing. Your enterprise is missing you. What you're referring to as enterprise is seemed in this article to be the FUL racket enterprise. So your boy is missing you. You hire people. We, we went through that in terms of hiring people who did not go through the normal process of hiring and the FUL racket. So there's a whole, I mean, the, the article is in the Express, right? Just look for PM. It was me. It's in, it's in the Monday Express. But I just found it to be even more in support of the original point I was making when this story came out that we have to get to the point as a country where we have a system of putting up a commissioner in place that is not in the direct control of the leader of the government. And when I say indirect control, yes, you have a police service commission, but it's still you still have to submit a list. And one of the instructive statements he said here, 
is not he didn't say well parliament can put him back into place which would include government and opposition he said i cannot put him back in place so which means he, he, he basically admitting that it comes down to the prime minister and I, I want i want us to be mindful that we're in a country that all of us complain about how corrupt the country is so when the, when the country is so corrupt you had to look at these things you had to try to, to identify okay the corruptible nature of this country should we be putting so much power into one person's hand? I, 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 I don't think so at all. I think I always talk about this, the prime minister being a king. The prime minister could do what he wants because everybody is instructed. And under duress, I would say, it's a totally party line. <laughs> so he could, he could say, I can't put a fella back here until him come back. Because he know everybody who under him have to vote how he voting. And by design, the way the system is designed, once he have everybody voting with him, they could pass these things. And God forbid we ever go back to a situation where the government here have a special majority. They can do whatever they want. They don't, the, the opposition has no check and balance to offer, except a set of old talk uh, on, on, by people like Wade Mark and, um, and Doubles for Breakfast Man and Roberts to come and talk about, about things. That's the only check and balance that they have. And boy, check and balance this, this opposition does. Because if there's anything, if I saw somebody post a video the other day on, um, what was the issue, boy? Or the Venezuelan migrants. Somebody put a, <laughs> it's, it was Kamala talking about Venezuelan migrants needing to be open and coming into the country and how the PNM don't care and they're letting them die and all this kind of thing. And Wade Mark at the same time talking about, we learn too much Venezuelans in a, they're just opposing. Whatever the government position is, they're opposing. But they teach them that, right? And that, that might be healthy, healthier for the society than we think. But that's, 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 that's my take on Griffith. And we will continue to follow that situation because I just wanted to remember that while we're trying to sort out this issue, we still have an acting commissioner of police. And we, 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 we going back and a year go past and two years go past. And then all of a sudden we will have Many, many years of an acting commissioner of police and no police commissioner in place in a country where crime is one of the biggest situations. You know what I mean? We we all worried about the crime. But then again, Guardian have a whole savior that we could be turning to to take us out of this crime situation. So reading from the express, Trini heads to Ukraine for freedom. Fight. Salute to this. Come on. You say I ain't talking about the wall or you talk about the wall. Nearly 20,000 volunteers, foreign volunteers, have signed up in, to fight in war-torn Ukraine against Russia's invasion. UNC activist and business development consultant Brian Stone is, is one of the volunteer combatants who is now prepared to battle side-by-side side with the Ukrainians and free, uh, for freedom against Russia's President Vladimir Putin invading army. Salute. You know, I want to see Brian. I thought it was Brian Hero, man. I thought it was my boy Brian going to fight with uh, Brian Stone, apparently. Stone will be the first, will be TNT's first volunteer <laughs> to fight in Ukraine's front line if he achieves his goal. He says, the decision didn't come from the brain, but from my heart. Yeah, yeah have a heart of Stone. Stone admitted in a telephone interview to Guardian. So far, it is a go. You have to look at it for what it is. He says, knowing fully well that anything can happen to him during this intended month's stay. A month. So, Stone going to fight this war for a month. You know, 
Or if Stone willing to be commissioner, boy, because if you're willing to fight and go quite Ukraine to fight for these people, I feel we should consider Stone for the new commissioner of police. There's no FUL racket that could happen under Stone. I don't see it here already. Stone served in the Canadian Army Forces Reserves. <laughs> Stone. Stone, he was in the reserves. Is the bench he was on Stone? All right, he was on the bench. Okay, in the reserves, he has always put... He has already put contingencies in place. He said, I understand very clearly the risks. I'm not stupid. If Russian soldiers show up there, Stone. <laughs> when this article from, this had to be from a long time. What do you mean, if Russian soldiers show up there? When was the date of the, This is Sunday, March the 13th. Stone, the Russians are already there. What are you talking about, Stone? <laughs> Let me go back again. I understand the risks very clearly. I am not stupid. Did you read out on that? If if so, if Russians will just show up there, I will have to fight. What is this man talking about? I'm prepared to do so. The only thing I am fearful of is if shots are fired, their explosions or bombs should drop. Stone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> This, I can't deal with this. Why, why, why I put this down? I should have never put it. From now on, I promise that I'm going to read all the articles before I come to record. Because I would not talk about this. You know. Stone say I'm going to try to read this paragraph one more time. He opens the paragraph by saying, I understand very clearly the risks. And I am not stupid. That's his opening. But then he goes on to say, if Russian soldiers show up there, we will have to fight. There's another captain obvious. If I am prepared to, I am prepared to do so. He's prepared to fight, but the only thing he worried about is if shots fired and it have explosions or a bomb should drop. You'd be a little worried. So you gonna slingshot David and Goliath? This situation, Stone. What the hell is wrong with you? Because your name is Stone, don't mean you could take no slingshot over there. It's Russia, this is war. The Russians are already there. Shots are firing. What the hell is wrong with you? You about if shots should fire. So what's your plan when you go over there? Were you gonna do a, a a reasoning war? So when you see people, you're gonna say, "Hey, my name is David Stone. What your name? Sean Stone." Must be Sharon Stone. Brian Stone. Hey, my name is Brian. I wonder if you're going on carnival mode, it's out. Like, my name is Brian. Where are you from? Well, you shouldn't be fighting, man. You know what I mean? Let me, let me stop the war. Let me, you, know, you know, in the famous words of singing Sandra, nobody wins a war. You know what I mean? Let's let's reason this out. You know, to play all fours. Let me show you how to play some all fours. What the hell is this man talking about if shots are fired and their explosions or a bomb should drop? He hope he can handle it, brother. <laughs> I've already signed over a number of things to my wife. <laughs> this is the greatest paragraph ever written in journalist history. The hell write this article. Shaliza Hassan Ali, you the greatest journalist of all time. This is the most given paragraph I've ever seen. The man saying the end. He, had to, he done sign over thing to your wife. So he know you're going dead. Because, all right, at least you know you're going dead. He knows if he loses his life or when, he will not be covered by his insurance policy. <laughs> hey, oh God, hey. There's too much. Stone admitted his decision is not sitting well with his immediate family and close friends, but more so his worried wife. My wife is not happy at all, he sighed. 
Brian, I don't feel your wife was happy before. I just get any sense that your wife not happy in general. I could be wrong, eh? I don't feel your wife happy at all. If this is your... If you reach to this conclusion, I cannot imagine what the dinner table talk is like at your household. Even a soldier would be lying if they said he's not afraid. Brian, he's not a soldier. He's on the bench in the Canadian Army. He was a reserve. I never had Canada fight a war yet. And he wasn't in the main army. He was in the bench. I fear the unseen. <laughs> Let me compose myself, right? Only I done record after this and I'm not going to talk. What else I to talk about? Let me just make sure nothing else to talk about because I'm done. I cannot go through this. Oh no, it's a few things to talk about here still. I want to come off this topic, you know. The man say even a soldier would be lying if they say they're not afraid. He fears the unseen. There's no way I can cover from an explosion. Brian, you know what you would be able to cover from an explosion? If you was actually a soldier, you might have something called training and tools. That could cover you from an explosion. But since you knows nothing, <laughs> I am worried. Why the name this freedom fighter? I am worried about that. <laughs> if it turns out, if it turns to mostly a guerrilla warfare, well, it is over for people like me. What the hell this man come from, boy? He getting his information from Fortnite and Call of Duty. Is this man a gamer? He had to be a gamer. He had to be playing games. He have a P- I wonder if he get a PS5 or something. Because I want to sign up. I want to find out who's this man wife. You know? Because if he leave the PS5 for the wife, I know she ain't playing no PS5. I, I, brand wife, I could buy a PS5 off of you. Because clearly this man is playing games. He's not for real. This man saying, if it turns in mostly guerrilla warfare. What are you talking about? Like, what, what are you talking about? You live in your good house. Your bed wet. Why you guys like that to understand this? He will have to leave. No, you're not going to leave. You're going to die, Brian. To stay, you will get killed. So wait. Why, why, did, why did Guardian put this as a front page story on a big Sunday? It's had nothing else to write about. This man say, if it turns out to be bigger, it'll be over for people like me. He will have to leave. To stay, you will get killed. So what are you going for? You're not watching the news, you're not seeing what's going on. <sighs> Should he die doing volunteerism work? Stone knows his body will also not return to it. Lolly, at first I'd find this was funny, you know, but that's just as sad. The man say, let the Ukrainian government dispose of it. That's what they'll do anyway. <laughs> Listen, Brian's experience in war is clearly limited to stories you would get from actual Canadian soldiers. Call of Duty and Fortnite. And maybe a couple war movies. Maybe he was saving Pride Ryan and these kind of things. You know what I mean? <laughs> he still let the Korean go. Stone, who's a dual citizen of TNT and Canada, is hoping to depart in two weeks. Having no warfare skills and with age and strength already against him. <laughs> Stone said Ukrainian army may not put him on the front line. I don't know. So, Stone, you are not contact or nothing. When I first see this article, I saw the man link with somebody over there. So, what are you going for? When you reach in the airport, where's your plan? Where's your plan when you reach there? You couldn't just look for me, man, and say, Soldier, I come to help all your fight. Boy, Stone, you're going to get shot from the Ukrainians themselves. I'm going to take you out of your misery from the time you land over there. What is this man? What is he talking about? This for real? Guardian covered this as a story in the papers and put it on the front page? 
when Stone enters the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense base, Stone, you're not getting into no Ministry of Defense base? What is this? What this, this? <sighs> I couldn't get through this. He will be assessed and assigned to a designated area. <laughs> I will probably be given a part of a city. <sighs> Hopefully more in the western end, where the Russians are not 100% there yet. But I will have to go where they put me. This is a mental health story. This had to be one of them things where we're looking at people's mental health and this, this can't be for real. Following weeks of brutal bombardments and airstrikes in Kiev, which Brian clearly does not know about, which have led to growing deaths, injuries, and thousands of citizens fleeing, Stone has made up his mind to battle Russia's armed forces who continue to wreak havoc on Ukrainians' buildings. Stone, you could stay here. Look at crime we have here. Why don't start here? Maybe get up your war experience by handling some situations we have here, you know? Here it's a, it's a Rasta city and Muslim. Maybe you could intervene there. Like, pick a side because clearly you just pick a side over there. You go and fight these people war. So pick a side here and deal with some local warfare first. Like, get your numbers up, you know what I mean? You, you build up your strength. Just like in Call of Duty and thing, you know what I mean? Build up your experience first before you run out there. Now. Don't, don't, don't go and fight abroad yet. Uh, what else he say? He says, so far, I think I'm the only Trinidadian going there for good reason. Uh, I did some checking and found no one. <laughs> However, Zelensky's call for help was not Stone's motivating factor. Stone was pushed to enroll for the battlefront when he saw on television an innocent child being murdered by Russian soldiers and Ukrainian soldiers putting guns in the hands of mothers and the elderly to defend their country. Stone, little children getting killed right here. Maybe you should help some mothers right here, you know what I mean? Another reason is to help Ukrainians free themselves from tyranny and return to TNT with that experience and spirit in defense of this country's democracy. <laughs> don't laugh, don't laugh. <laughs> I value democracy, the principles that our government must serve the will of the people which connects to what is happening and the concerns and issues I have with our government that exists. Okay, alright, I see UNC activism coming out here. This is just a story you ain't going no place. You just wanted to say this. This is what you wanted to say in the beginning. I feel the people are not being served that our democracy and constitutional right. Brian, you could have skipped to this part, man. I didn't realize it was just an anti rowley thing. Oh, <laughs> what they say? Stone, who lost that defamation lawsuit against Prime Minister Keith Rowley in 2020, I was ordered to pay 350000 <laughs> believes that the government is becoming more... <laughs> more authoritarian which i see as a threat i'm also concerned what's happening in trinidad especially what's going on with nicolas maduro and you're all right brian this is where you was trying to get all right stone i understand you i get you now you want to see you must even pay none of this 350 let me see the part where come with the money to go ukraine now because i sure it has some kind of award that he's trying to get to help pay off is that you trying to get help to pay off stone has already registered as a volunteer with the Ukrainian embassy in the United Kingdom and was informed of what combat gears he needs to work with. Stay on the gears. So I have no gears. I could guarantee you. Here was the gears he need. A bulletproof vest, a helmet, a laser scope, which is a device attached to a firearm to aid target acquisition, a sleeping bag, winter clothes, night vision goggles. Stone don't have none of them things. He said the body armor is expensive. It's about 1200 US to 1400 a plate. I need two plates. The tickets are about 5000 Stone, this could have gone towards the 350 If you go and spend, let me add this up here. That's 1600 US plus 5000 6600 US is about what in TT? That's nearly 50 grand. You could have paid off a 50 and then you're only at 300 for rollers. 
But you gonna buy two plates of righteousness. That is what you think it's gonna do. You think it's breastplate of righteousness and sword like the Bible. That is what you think it's gonna In preparation for any eventuality, stone will register for a two day tactical. <laughs> the hell is this I read in here, boy? Who in the Guardian? Guardian have an editor, or you could just pull up what you want. This man say you registering for a two day tactical course in Florida on his way to Ukraine. So en route, he taking a layover in Florida and do a tactical course. And buy two breastplates of righteousness and a Bible and head over there. <laughs> his expenses are estimated at 12,000 US, some of which he's already raised through generosity of his family, friends. You see, this is the thing, you know, he's always talk about this in entrepreneurship classes. The first people you could get money from before you go by the bank and thing is what we call friends, family, and fools. When you're going to start a business, they call them FFF, friends, family, and fools. And this is just who Stone turned to. To get money. So you don't raise the 12000 You see, for my safe haven, I must have a contingency fund. If I get injured, Ukraine is probably not going to handle it. Ain't no probably about it, Brian. You're going to die on those streets. I would have to get up to a Polish hospital. Not going to make it. You're going to die. You need some cash. <laughs> this, this can't be for real. All I need to get is, all I need is to get the funding in place so I can buy my ticket, my gears. Brian, you don't have the money to buy your stuff. It's broken. You're broken. Wait, 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 wait. You have no tactical experience. You're broken. You have no gears. You're going to have a two-day course. <laughs> he say, all I all I need is to get the funding in place so I can buy my ticket, gears, and do the... Ta- you don't even have the money to pay for the course. And the reserve cash on me and I'm gone. Somebody, please, I- appealing to the people who listen to this podcast. Let us start a GoFundMe for Brian. Now, this is the kind of people who we need to get out of here. If we could raise the money for Brian, let Brian go now. And I want Brian's family who give him the money to, I want them to go to. So wait, if you need all this money, what money your family and them get? They, they had to have given you money to pay for this article. It had to be the money for the article itself that they gave you the money and they say, listen, we go, we go pay for the article in the Guardian for you. Since you're a fool. And nobody would print this. Stone promises family that you would not stay beyond 30 days. So you, will you Rambo? So you just going to take 30 days and end the situation? He said, I'm not go- oh, he can't afford it. I'm not going for a long time because I can't afford it. A month there is a long time. The war could be over by then, right, right, right. Some of the conflict shouldn't, should the conflict intensify, Stone says he'll flee. Stone is a vacation you're looking for? We could be, let me, let me, I don't know if it's like he just want to leave or... I don't feel. I was saying Stone wife don't like him, but I feel Stone even like his wife neither. Stone going to a lot of length here to get away from his wife. You know what I mean? If it becomes a situation where the Russians are bombing the hell out of the West and people are getting killed, I can go to some people who live at the Polish border where I could safely stay. Keeping fingers crossed that all goes well. I'm optimistic. Stone say I'll be back. I know I'll be back. God's willing. Stone, I just want to let you know that God's not willing. You're gonna die. Keep yourself here. Sort out your issues with your wife. You know what I mean? Don't, 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 don't go in no war zone. <laughs> Straight, I, I, I will say, when I see this article, the first thing come to me is, all right, this is the kind of person who we would want to be a commissioner of police because it's somebody we could trust who rollers might not have no problem with. You know, we could we could get him to fight these wars if you could go quite Ukraine to fight. But you're, you're completely unequipped, Stone. You have, you have nothing going on. And you know, Guardian's so wicked. They're meant for a picture. Of, uh, well, they say here a Ukraine soldier digs a foxhole in Irpin on the outskirts of Kiev uh, as they prepared for defense against the Russians. And they have a man in full battle gear digging a hole 
<laughs> and I, I thought that was Brian Stone. I thought Brian Stone done, you know what I mean? When they say Trini heads to Ukraine for freedom fight, that song like the man prepared this man and have a dollar to he broken like hell. He had no experience. He looking for money to go and pay for a, t- a tactical course. I, so I tell myself, but this picture is very, very um, well selected when you think about it because this should really be a picture of Brian Stone digging your own damn grave and go and lie down. And you should, when you dig your own grave, Brian, you should cover yourself to one time before you're dead because you out of here. And pay Rolly 350 and stop playing the fool because everybody doesn't know. Is it 350 you're trying to raise to pay off the Prime Minister? You're a defamation character. And I never understood, like, you ever notice something? When when somebody, uh, because very early in the article, they identified him as a UNC activist. So this is not my words, right? A way to observe something about UNC activists, right? <laughs> it's just my own observation. You ever notice people who call themselves UNC activists always very foreign-minded, like, they know about every other battle everywhere in the world. They know about Maduro. They know why they don't like Biden. They don't know why. You know, they, they have this, this narrative that they spew about everything that happened in every other country. But better you stay here and fight Muslim versus Rasta and try and let me, let me get this country settled down. So let me, let me make the commissioner of police the most unimportant post in the country because the country is so peaceful that the police have nothing to do. The police come like the um, Maytag repairman. Better, better you focus on that because you... You was basically back in the day we used to call you um a kek. He's a kek. <laughs> financial freedom fighter. Before you say and fight for your own financial freedom, you broken like hell and can't pay off your bills. You, you we should be a financial freedom fighter. But let me move on. What, what, what else do we have there? Uh as I'm talking about war zone, I want to get into to, to a war zone between man and woman real quick before we get out of here, right? Man and woman have a little war zone that we typically partake in and play a, play this war zone game. Let me see what um let me see if I could find this war zone thing between man and woman. Well, listen to this, huh? Men love to talk about how much it sucks to be put in the friend zone, but can we talk about how it feels to be a woman and realize that you didn't have an actual friend? You just had somebody looming over you waiting for you to agree with them. So this was a thing going around the socials the other day, right? So she basically saying that um <laughs> Boy, yes, woman is the greatest thing. Abuja said, and a woman is the greatest thing God ever put on this land. <laughs> so the woman say, "Here, going on. We always like to complain about being put in the friend zone, but how would it feel to be a woman thinking you have a genuine friend waiting, and it have a man who just all he was doing was lurking, waiting to get ones? Let me tell you something." Woman know fully well when the power man and you want to wicked. You know? What do you song say? Woman wicked. Well, you fully well know when all your friend zoning a man. Friend zoning had nothing to do with me and you as friends. And I looking for something out of the friendship. Although, as men, we really do that a lot. You know? Don't you think about it? Well, uh, maybe I should admit that. Because only friend and friend and friend, if you slip, you slide. Yes? <laughs> In man brain. Is that, that, but a man who... Is a friend who looking, right? He's not looking, he's a genuine friend. And a, a lot of times, as men, you say to, boy, let me, let me don't go there because I go mash up the friendship. You know what I mean? As men, uh, I know we've been in situations like these before where you say, listen, uh, let, me, let, me, let me don't bother. Let me don't bother. <laughs> because if, if, we, if we go down this road here, yeah, it's not coming back. You know what I mean? Let me just maintain the friendship and move forward. So, a man who is a genuine friend, not looking for nothing. The friend zone is when 
you have a woman, she know you're interested in her. You, you, you come out and you say, listen, you like them and this and that. And, and, but they, and they have you there and they call you all bae and they put you up as a man crush and you dry like hell. Everybody know what a friend zone is. So I find this statement where they try to flip the script here and make it sound like if a man just look, you know. Lucas is lurkers and friend zone, man is friend zone. Lurkers don't get no friend zone. What lurkers is do, as a former lurker myself, is I will hang around, <laughs> do all kind of nice things for you. <laughs> Until you slip your slide. When you and your man have problems and you're feeling sad or you're a little vulnerable mode and them kind of thing I'm looking for inside. That I could understand. Men have done that. Don't associate lurkers like myself with friend zoners. Friend zoners is them. And listen, I know some partners who get some dread friend zone, you know. Where I had the phone with you for hours. I had to get you something for Valentine's. You ain't get me nothing for the Valentine's. You know, but I gave you a chocolate and thing. And you clearly, the friend zone happened to a fellow who too shy to come out in the open and say, listen. I like you and I want to be with you and all them things. Because if you come out and you say that, and I want to say this to men who are in the friend zone too, it don't matter how long you stay in that zone and how nice you treat that woman in that zone. And if that woman not on you, stop sending all them sort of chocolate and flowers unless you just, don't send it with no intention. Just give her because you're never going to gain. You're never going to get through. So years after, men who get friend zone, let's be vexed. <laughs> and they say, well, you use me and what they use you. Some of them use you too, you know. Okay, let, me, let, me, let me make a distinction between the one who using you and the one who ain't using you, right? It have some women who will tell you when you start to give gifts and you start to come around often, they will say, listen, I just want you to know, I realize you're going down a road here and you're trying to be you're, you're trying to be boyfriend and them kind of thing. And I not on that, you know. So she say you could buy things, I cool, we could go out to dinner if you want to take me out and you could do all that, but we not on that level. Most men who this get friend zone, they say, ha, 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 nah, I know, I just, we just friends. Men, real men who get friend zone is call themselves friends to, you know, bestie. And no woman can call me a bestie. In my head, they wish I would have them about bestie. I not nobody bestie, but I, I not going through that. So a certain man cannot get no friend zone. I is one. I don't know if you use one, but I is one. I not taken. I could get a friend with benefit zone. I get that before. And your friend with benefit zone where I know me and go be a man and me and go be thing, but it's benefit. Benefit for benefit. Or we'll call it our arrangement zone. <laughs> I could live in an arrangement zone, but that'd be mutual benefit. I ain't going through that with nobody. Too old for that. So when it with them men who get friend zone, it have women who will come out and tell you, listen, do do this, do do that, do do that. And you say, nah, it's okay, I like buying your flowers. And when you do that and you get your friend zone, don't be vexed 25 years down the road where you come out and you say you're in love. Because them friend zone, man, them in love. And you come out and you say you're in love and you get blank. They will remind you about it. You don't remember any 70s when I tell you I wasn't on that. And nothing is going to change. I don't know why men feel like if better you come as a man. And I always like doing that too. I go come around and we go thing. And, but from the time I get the first inkling, that this not going nowhere. Or the first move I make, and I realize it's a shutdown, we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> and like I say, I ain't having no phone conversation. I know I too old for them things. Since back then, I old. I come in and I sit down, I pull in a chair, and you have to sit down in front of me with that chair. You have to face me and watch me in my face. And I saying, hey, here what's going on? I like you. Bad. And I starting to feel some kind of way about you. And I realize when I make my move the other day, I think, what is the situation? Where we as friends? Or we is, what, what we is? 
And, and the reason I'm doing that is not uh, preventing myself future heartbreak because I ain't spending no money on flowers. But remember the econ lesson we do the other day? I have limited resources, like every other human being, right? <laughs> so I've limited time, I've limited money, and I've limited energy. And women is be vexed when you tell them this too, you know? Because so because I don't want to give you none. You don't want to spend no more money? No, I don't want to spend no more money. None, not a cent. I go say it on behalf of all mankind. I don't want to spend a cent more because I have limited resources. And there's this thing called opportunity cost. So when I spend in my money and the money the money might be less consequential than the time and the energy. Yeah? I spend all my time and energy behind you and this not going nowhere. I could be doing this elsewhere. Every, it's not that I'm using you or I'm buying things for you to get something in return. It's just that everything I buy for you have an opportunity cost. I, so I know I can't go on a date this month because I spent $1,000 on flowers to give you. And I have intention and you have none. And all my flowers money going in this. So I see somebody nice now. And I go on and I talk to them and I say to And she say, all right, we could go out sometime. But me have a scent like Brian Stone to carry this woman on a date who, who's showing some kind of interest in me. I don't see how come women don't understand this. Only too wicked. Wickedness in high places, you call it. About friend zone. You cannot friend zone me. Because I, I garden my money my time and my energy they're my resources i cannot spend all i could spend some of my time and my energy and my resources on you and my and, and my time it is time energy and money is my resources i could spend some of that on you but i'm not going to spend the lion's share on that if we just gonna remain friends when i'm looking for somebody to live <laughs> and you not let me live so what we doing this for where we going this going somewhere it's not going nowhere so I not taking no friend zones. So I have in that conversation, but friend zone man don't like to have them conversation. Them feel like it ease their way in forever and ever. But I, you see that statement where, and listen, I don't like the I don't like the woman in the video either. You know? I don't like how she had to be tying up her head when she talk. So uh, you know this TikTok thing with them ain't talking, but she tying up her head in a way like she ready for battle. And and, and I do if you're ready for battle, you come to the right place to get battle. I don't like it. They have another type of woman now who not going and tell you no. Then they, they, they plain on the fact that you know he's a shy guy. And you're not going and come out and say, because another I'm another man like myself going and say, hey, here what's going on? I'm not, I'm not so crude to say, hey, my money's spending on what What's going on? I'm not so crude because that's not how I'm thinking either. I'm not thinking like my money's spending and I ain't getting nothing in return. I'm thinking more like I'm spending all this energy behind you and all this time and all this money. And it ain't going nowhere. Let me know if to direct my energies elsewhere. Let me move on. We could be friends, but I'm not spending whole night talking to you and I could spend that night talking to somebody who like me back. <laughs> what the hell I doing that for? But some of them women is pretty on the shy guy. The shy guy don't really want to come out and tell you he, he wants to live. Because the shy guy don't want to live neither. You know? The shy guy not like me. The shy guy probably want to get married and he's in a whole future. That's why it's so hurtful. And I have to explain why it's so hurtful. Because she wants to know if why we be hurt, this is why we be hurt. So we playing thing, and then you have me in boyfriend mode. You're carrying me everywhere. We going on dates. I paying for this. I paying for that. Woman might pay for some of the things sometimes to be a can pay for my energy and my time. That's why I say the money is the least one. So I I spending all this time. I doing this. I doing that. And then this same woman who fully because she know the life, she fully well know what it is when a man interested in you and what a man will do, and. 
because no man ain't going and spend no set of hours on the phone hearing about all your set of problems and I not doing that. Unless, of course, it's going somewhere. You think? And I'm not going to be, you want to carry me. And then it, woman is have some woman conversation with man too. I tell woman that all the time. I tell Stacey that a matter of fact. We married and I used to tell another all the time. She'd be like, but uh, Corey, you know, this month I was under this pain and crap. I was like, hey, Andrea, phone busy or something? And we're going on to you. Why? That's not the best person to have this conversation with because I have no such experience. I think you could vent to me and you could you could you could do all them things, but don't expect no sort of response. I think I'm conditioned and so something. Why I had to be? I don't know. I don't know more this. And so you, you, yeah. If you want to talk about, <laughs> I have some expertise in some other areas. If you want to talk about that, I could talk to you about it. But otherwise, wrong man. You're knocking on the wrong door. You ain't gonna get no good advice here. If you just want to talk, I go listen. But that's about it. So, women, the second type of woman, fully well know that fella interested. But what they're doing is deliberately stringing that fella along. Because the person who they're really interested in, not on them, they're home and they're lonely. They know that that person not talking to them is because he's talking to some other woman. So, the friend zone man, now I go stay up whole night while you're depressed to hear all your depressing stories about how depressing your life is and thing. And when you feel like to go out and enjoy yourself and worsen this Instagram age, I'm so glad I come out of the game before this time. Eh? So, now. I could carry you out and you could take all kind of picture, all kind of fancy glass and wine and strawberry and thing. And I did like a clung in your friends and bestie. And then when it's my birthday, now you're posting me up friends for life. FFL and you know FFL me. And I say FFL and you. I not I not playing these games. So that 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 woman who make that thing is disingenuous. She wicked. To talk about is man who all your women know clearly what friends zone is. You see, this is a trend that really corrupt you because these women corrupt. And again, to, again, to realize now, right? As we on this topic, I starting to accept that women really do like man. <laughs> only do like man. I, I convinced now, women do like man in this life. Women, the, the only the only focus of a woman in this life is other women. Yeah, women who they dislike or women who they just friends with. Them living for other women. And so with man, the woman don't like man whatsoever. So when you think they take a picture with you and put when them put picture with you and you dress up nice and you thing and they say hey, thing, happy birthday, baby, together for so long and this them doing that to show their other girlfriends that they have man. And no, you are none. That the girl because them are I only have friends that I like. I have people I don't like, and I have friends. I have people who are just no. So it's three zone with man. It's had the friend brethren zone. Me and you good. It's had the zone where I don't like you. So you had to stay away from me. And it had the zone where you just are wrong. I know you're from a wrong. That's the WhatsApp zone. And you see them. You're like, we have seen everything. Good boy. All right, 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 right. That is it. No sort of long talk. No sort of nothing. Me and you ain't nothing. And then the ones who ain't like at all. We don't pass one another straight. We don't want to be in the same place. When you come, I gone. And vice versa. And then we are with brethren. But women have a different kind of setup because I have no friends who I don't like. And I have no friends who don't like me. But women have friends who don't like them. <laughs> and women have friends who they don't like at all. That's your friend, baby. So I don't, we as men don't understand these concepts. It's those things are above our period. I don't understand it at all. You know what I mean? So you see this guy. So when them when them take a picture with you and them put up a boyfriend and you dress up nice and you thing and all they hug up on the thing anniversary ten years, they put it up. 
to show the what the friends and them who they don't like. like <laughs> look at you and look at me. Look at your life. And look at my life. Look in the mirror. And you see hardship. Look at my life. And you see greatness. That's what these women is do. And purple kind of thing quotes about this and that. And listen, and I have another, I have another theory too. And as we done on man, I go explore all this. You know, because I plan to get a Cassia of Devata. A long time I ain't talked to a Cassia. You know, I had to go record with a Cassia sometimes so we could pause that episode. Because a Cassia is the one who wants to post this. And you know, I want to talk to her about this. Because... Anytime I see a woman posting this, that means you're friend zoning, man, and then we have a conversation. But my last theory before I get off this is that the happier you see a woman is on Instagram, is the more she hates her life. <laughs> Quite a little. The more pose and the more quotes and the more smiles and the more energy and my vibration and all this energy and them hate like they want to jump over a building. Listen, take my word for it. You know? I just observe it for myself over time. I know I'm standing on my own here, but the happier people looking on social media is the more these people want to be out of here. So let me, before I get out of here, what else I have to talk about on this thing, boy? Um, sports. Let me, yeah, I don't, I don't talk about sports enough. You know? Since we don't offer these women and things, like, we talk about sports and things. Like, well, before I get to sports, let me talk about Sad Guru and Marshall. I want to salute two of them too. I realize, like, they leave out March Blackburn. But apparently, the World Tour start, and they, I saw them in Antigua, I believe. I saw them in uh, Guyana and in Barbados while I recording this too. So, salute. I, I, I kind of just like the idea of Marshall and Sad Guru being together. I, I don't know why, because I'm not sure. Sad, and part of me. Uh, you know, and maybe it's just my suspicious nature. Maybe I was a cynic and a suspicious guy. But anybody who know about Sadhguru before, like I don't know him before, Marshall is the first time I ever get really see who he is hunting. He legit hunting, boy. He alright, he, he, he pure, he cool. Because I don't like I don't like how he and Marshall parading around this whole place with him and uh, saying he's soil. I still can't figure out like what's wrong with the soil and if we're running out of soil or the soil washing away or why we need to save the soil. But I just find like Marshall is our national hero or the Republic awardee to come, right? Like, yeah, I hope Sadhguru is no swindler or nothing. You know? I ain't trying to paint him in a bad light, but remember people that love Jim Jones and thing in Guyana and these kind of things and you know, Joel Austin, they say Joel Austin, the plumber find about a million dollars in Joel Austin all hide up the other day. I just want to make sure that Sadhguru is not a smart man. Next thing you know you hear, Marshall in his giving to saving the soil, give up his whole catalog. <laughs> And now Soka is owned by Sadhguru and he turned out to be some kind of, you know what I mean? I stopping just short of using the word cult leader because I don't want to make no accusations or nothing. But I just want to be sure that Marshall and good hands. So anybody knew about this Sadhguru before? Or oh, is Marshall, you know what I mean? What is the situation here? Anyway, in sports, I am worried. <laughs> I think this is what we should get Brian Stone to fight for. Because I, I only know as a Chelsea fan, right? And with this Russian sanction, have I seen the Russian sanctions? I don't want to get into this thing, why these white people, you know? I, I really don't. But I'd be wary of these things when we so easily choose sides based on what countries saying and we, we think we get Russia invade. Imagine England. <laughs> I want you to go, just Google history of england and read up on it right find the shortest article you could read on the history of england or the history of the commonwealth and then 
go and read the fact that England is sanctioning Russian citizens in England because Russia invade Ukraine. Listen, the self-righteousness in this world is surreal and it is beyond me. There's no country in the world who's responsible for more invasions than anybody of, of other countries, of other sovereign territories and claiming those sovereign territories for themselves than England. The, a matter of fact, they still have countries. Remember just this year or, or late last year, we were talking about Barbados becoming a republic because it's still basically under the Queen. These people invade all the countries in the world and keep it for themselves. Look at the history of England and India. So it is, and maybe we, this is why we should just keep politics out of sports completely. Because now as a football player, I had to come on a weekend. I had to kneel for Black Lives Matter, put a fist up for Ukraine, a moment of silence to the people. It's just too many statements. And then you will, you have this selective nature of things that we have to collectively be a part of, whether I believe in it or not. And it's just, so I think that happened in, and again, I feel for people in Ukraine. I just, I just not interested in that war. I mean, it's like any other war. It's useless. It's futile. All it's doing is taking lives away. But there are so many other conflicts and wars around the world, or let me say in Africa, that nobody pays any attention to and we just go along like business as usual. But all of a sudden now, all the social media platforms have a stand for Ukraine. And, you know, like where, where, where's the stance when they had people who was fighting to get, in, to get over the border to get into Germany when they had strife in Africa? But anyway, I don't want to get into that too much. The point I'm trying to make is England is sanctioning any Russian citizen in England. And Roman Abramovich, who is the owner of Chelsea, turned out to be one of them people. So now he is sanctioned. He's put the club up for sale and gone back to Russia because he can't come in England. And now Chelsea can't do business. They can't sell players. They can't buy players. They can't loan out people. They can't take people on loan. Uh, they haven't pro- this freeze bank account. So people say, no, they're not sure. So I interviewed Petr Cech. That man say, I want to say it come down to a bunch of nothing. Although it was a good interview, he couldn't say anything because he don't know when, when exactly or if salaries will be paid, they wouldn't be paid, how they're moving forward as a club, what kind of business they could do in the summer or whatever. There's, there's so little that they could get done in this time. And I just find the whole thing, it's like England have the moral authority to tell one country not to... And you know, there's the thing there's gas here with. When, when, when this come out, people are going to say, well, look how long in the past that was. Okay, England don't invade nobody again. But the Commonwealth still exists. Like, you had to ask England for your independence and your republic. There's a process by which you had to separate yourself. And the Queen is still the Queen of the whole Commonwealth and them kind of things. And uh, I don't know, maybe I just don't understand enough about it and what was the purpose of the invasion and stuff. I don't want to understand too much about it neither. I don't, I generally, against the idea of wars on a whole, for whatever reason, I don't see, I don't see the purpose of it, except little $150 barrel oil and them kind of thing, right? I don't see the purpose of it overall, so it's not something that I will ever gain. So a matter of fact, Zachary know more about this war in Ukraine than me because he seemed to be waking up every morning to rush for a TV to find out about Ukraine and these things. But I'll worry. I don't like I don't like the way things go in with Chelsea. <laughs> so as much as I try to ignore the war, I think it hit home for me because it affects any football. And week to week, I, I, I'm looking at the games wondering, like, where's these players' state of mind? And, you know, I also feel for the players in, 
in the Ukrainian players in England. Because I saw, was, was it Yamalenko? One of them scored a goal or two over the weekend. And he was so emotional when he scored the goal. Because, of course, he's studying. I was talking to my brother last week in that episode with, with, with Janelle and them. About him having Ukrainian friends. This man is the most worldly man I know. I'm 20-something years old. And he, know, and he was sitting studying next to a Ukrainian friend. And I'm thinking, boy, she must be having a rough time now. Just knowing that not, not just your family and your friends, but your home country could be being torn apart by what I can't imagine anything like that in Trinidad. But, I mean, once we have Brian Stone here, we're okay, right? That would be, I mean, we'll never have that here with somebody like him marshalling the troops, you know what I mean? But I just find that England and America and them stands on this America telling people about invading countries. Okay, all right. So, anyway, it's done two hours. So, I'll go and get out of here. But not before I play the great, great singing Sandra. Yeah. 
When I listen to Calypso, right? Let me do a Kaiso thing before I get out here. When I listen to Calypso, it defeats me as to why children don't learn these Calypsos in school. You know what I mean? When you, when you listen to a song like Late Great Singing Sandra, right? Of course. But when you listen to songs like that in terms of lyrical quality, delivery, uh, the relevance, because I, I, I don't know what year that song would have been. Mm, I want to... That would have been the 90s, but that's in the 2000s. I'll go help me with that. But the thing about it is those songs so relevant. Like like when I played that um Super Blue earlier in terms of how it sounds now, or Blue Boy, or how it sounds in today's world. That sound sounding fresh in 2023, this Sandra now. And it's so relevant to what's going on in Ukraine. So uh, if you're looking for any coverage of the war and thing, all you know, you're looking at the wrong guy, right? That, that is not for me. Now, uh, as much as we talk about Super Blue and, and winning the national, we're proud. I'm happy to know that a St. James boy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. You get point four in there, little props, right? But Super Blue, a St. James resident, getting a, a, a national award. And by all means, for me, by any account, it's supposed to be an order of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, where Super Blue deserves the highest award that this land has to offer. And I know Pelham Goddard was awarded a national award too. He right there with Super, he's supposed to have an order of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. But having said all that, I want to leave Oli with a Super Blue song that I talked about last week and didn't play. Miguel uh, uh, Jill was talking about this. Jill Sampson, salute to Jill. The old Sampson squad, happy belated to Mama Doreen again as well. But you see this unknown band that was played uh, for Panorama as well this year. If I had to choose, boy, Super Blue hard enough to choose a favorite song from Super Blue, is a, that is a hard one. But um, this definitely is one of my favorites in terms of the feel of this song and just the sweetness, lyrical quality. Again, again, thing that children should be learning in school. Whether you're learning music, you're learning history, you're learning about culture, you're learning social studies. This song's so relevant to it. So I'll leave it all here with this one, Unknown Band by Super Blue.
pass through the savannah. Eating sweet pan, oh Lord, last year panorama. Unrecognized because of his size. But why the tune they beat, it was much too sweet. Boy, people jumped till they sweat, but they gasping for breath. They was waving their hand inside the van. But if you see how much woman without man jumping to this unknown sweet van. Like a Trinidad for that alone. Unknown band, right? And listen now, they put me in a super blue kind of mood too, you know. So hold this to the She whine on the pan, man. She whine on the pan stand. Why? 
Trinidad and Tobago for this too. Trinidad for this too. them songs and listen i choose to play songs here i ain't played none of my i mean if you'll go through super blue catalog right or blue boy catalog all them songs i play here will be considered b-sides and them is not the most popular songs or the biggest songs or anything that he sing 
compared to all the road marches and all them kind of thing. You, you, you have to go through plenty song before you get to some of them songs. And let's say, you know what I mean? If you're a connoisseur of the thing, you could get to them songs. But most of the people, if you ask them for that top 10 Super Blue, they're naming none of them songs I played it today. So I would like to personally thank Super Blue for his rendered, distinguished, and outstanding service to Trinidad and Tobago. And I will see you all in next week. Bye-bye.